refreshingly honest, bold and brutally frank, this is Bareface Stories. I don't know how many of you have seen people in the grip of meth, um, but it can certainly turn them into wild animals. Dr Michelle Johnston sees the best and worst of people in the emergency department. Her story includes some heavy stuff about meth addiction and assault. So if that's not for you, there are plenty of other barefaced stories you can listen to. Otherwise, you'll hear her story of survival soon. Before that story, another one from Old Young's head distiller and award-winning maker of handcrafted spirits, James Young. What is bathtub gin? All right, so bathtub gin is technically it's what's called a compound gin, but it's, it's the spirit that has had the, the flavouring added to it. There's no st- distillation. So literally you can make it in your bathtub. Fill up your bathtub with alcohol, drop all your ingredients in, start bottling. Like wait a, wait a couple of days, but start bottling. Could get a little bit dodgy, but yeah. um, there are some good bathtub gins. They're usually coloured because they've actually got some colour from the infusion. Old Young's is in Perth's Swan Valley. Gin-tristing stories, gin-toxicating spirits. And now here's Michelle Johnston. So I want to share with you tonight what it's like to come face-to-face with a rhinoceros. Um, I'm an emergency department doctor, um, but the thing is... I kind of don't really look like one. I'm, I'm kind of scrawny. I have this like really ratty, normally, fake blonde hair and I pull it up in a ponytail. You know, I wear scrubs. So, you know, the, the scrubs, they're like the communist blue pyjamas that make me look like a, a little lost policeman but without all the fun stuff hanging from my belt. And um, so it's... It's, it's not an easy gig, emergency medicine. It's kind of a tough place to be. Um, but it was much tougher when I was first starting. When I was a, a junior registrar, a trainee, and I used to have to come into work, and I'd know I'd be responsible for an entire emergency department overnight on my own, and I would drive in, and I would have this howling, gnawing terror about going in and working and looking after all these patients. And what I'd do is I'd come in and I was, you know, kind of almost shaking and I'd get there to the department and the doors would whoosh open and I'd see this this heaving, seething mass of humanity and there's smells and there's noises, there's alarms going off, there's policemen milling around, like the proper policemen, like not the little weedy one in the corner pretending. Um, and And... It, it was frightening, and all these people, and they, they, people on trolleys, and I could watch them, and their heads would turn to me in slow motion, um, going, "Come on, you know, we want to be saved, we want to be fixed." And I, and I was so terrified, I had to immediately just back off, walk back out, and slam myself, lock myself in the toilet, like opposite where the emergency department doors were, and I would just sit there, frozen with fear. And I would look on the back of the... I'd just sit there, like, read the graffiti on the back of the door for, like, as long as I possibly could. And, it, like, it's normal graffiti in a, in a public toilet, like people scratching someone, love someone, scratched in there. And it's kind of one of those toilets that 
um, like the great wash of humanity, the public use. So there's like smears of poo down the wall and there's unthinkable fluids splashed around everywhere. And I think that's kind of a weird place to be declaring your love, but who am I to be judging that? Um, but eventually I would, I would make my way back in and I would go back in and I would face, face the music, face the department and, and work. And eventually things started to get better and I started to get a little bit better at the job. But one of the hardest things we have to deal with in emergency is the methamphetamine scourge. I don't know how many of you have seen people in the grip of meth, um, but it can certainly turn them into wild animals. Um, and particularly vulnerable people. You have meth and, and they get this roaring, adrenaline-soaked surge of rage. They turn into these animals. Um, their, their pupils dilate up and their blood pressure goes up through the roof and they get tortured by this paranoid psychosis. And what happens, they get dragged in. They get dragged into our department. Um, and there's people everywhere and noise and they're dragged in, often in handcuffs. We have these fantastic security staff. Like, there are big guys with big guns and big tats and black gloves. And they have one for each arm and one for each leg and one for the head. And my job is to leap on the patient like a gazelle and put in a drip and sedate them, put them off to sleep and they'll often sleep for days and, and it just brings it all down um, and so they can, they, they, the drug can wear off because that's safe for them, it's safe for us and it's safe for all you. You know, we have a duty of care to these patients and I started to get kind of good at it. You know, I started to get kind of good. I, you know, I can do this. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I got a little bit cocky, a little bit, you know, a bit of banter, a bit of jokes, you know, as I leapt upon patient to patient um, and I was getting kind of good at it until one day I wasn't and one day I going in to see a patient I'm going in I'm reading the triage notes and it says this guy's taken some stuff he's a bit anxious wants to talk and I open up the cubicle the, the curtains and I walk in and there's this man and he doesn't look anything like the rhinoceros he's well-dressed. He's got a nicely ironed shirt. He's got decent pants. He's got pants. That's kind of <laughs> unusual for us in ED. I'm like, yes, um, he's kind of handsome. Um, and anyway, so we're chatting away and talking about things and I'm asking his history. Um, and it starts, look, I develop a really nice rapport with this guy and it starts to almost get a little bit flirty. And, um, and um, <laughs> sorry, I've got to do the um, so, uh, so I'm ch chatting to this guy and then uh, all of a sudden while we're talking, he starts to lean in towards me and I think, oh my God, he's going to kiss me. And he starts leaning into me a little bit further, a little bit slowly. And I see him and his pupils are as big as dinner plates. He's got this oily, sweaty sheen on his pale face. And he's coming towards me really slowly and he reaches out his hand and he gently cups the back of my head. He moves me in closer and then he clamps his mouth over mine. This is not a kiss. He starts to bite me. He starts to chew on me. And... I can taste blood, and I don't know whether it's my blood or whether it's his blood. He, 
His mouth stays clamped on mine. He starts to pull me to the ground. My mouth is like a flame. I think of him as this jackal, this lion, and I am being dragged to the ground slowly. I cannot scream. I cannot make a noise. And I am going down to the floor. Later on, I will feel nothing but shame and humiliation. I've done all the mandatory online training. I've done my management of aggression. I know what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to, like, shove him in the nose or kick him in the groin or scream as loud as I can, and I do none of those things. I am dragged to the ground, and he keeps biting. I cannot make a noise. Eventually, people run in, and they pull him off me, and they ask, are you okay? I am not. They ask me, are you, were you terrified? I wasn't terrified. I was ashamed. I was humiliated. I was embarrassed. I was, I was taken off work. I, left, I, I was moved away and I, you know, I, I was taken away from there. And I wondered if I would ever come back and work. The thing is about an emergency department and emergency medicine is not... The most important thing is not how smart you are, how strong you are, how, how big you are, how fast, how, what a good diagnostician you are. It's about love. And that department, the emergency department, amongst my comrades and my colleagues, is so full of love. And there is so much love for humanity, love for the fascination, the craziness of the human body that I did come back and I'm still there in that wild zoo of love. Thank you. That was Michelle Johnston. Next week on Barefaced, has the internet ever gone down at your house? Actually, I've just had a phone call from uh, the head of department who's had a phone call from the vice-chancellor of the university who's had a phone call from the guy who runs the internet co connection to the rest of the world. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and uh, for some reason, the uh, internet connection had ground to a halt. While James Panakis was doing his PhD in computer science at UWA, the internet stopped working. Did it have anything to do with the computer program James had created to make and distribute porn? You'll find out next week on Barefaced. In the meantime, if you want to hear more amazing stories like this, head to barefaced.com.au. The music heard on our podcast is done by Odette Mercy and her soul, Atomics. Producers are Amber Cunningham and Katie McAllister. A big thanks to our sponsors, Old Youngs. My name's Andrew Gibbs. Catch you next week. It brings me deep just to see this way, but baby, you ain't got no. Two seconds.